What's that you say? You want more 99th episode? Well, I have good news for you. Cool. Special Halloween edition of the podcast will come out sometime after. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, our originally bi-weekly podcast that turned into a weekly podcast that is now turned into a monthly podcast. Uh, sporadic. I think sporadic is the word yeah, <laughs> that we're we looking for We've definitely fallen here. into sporadic times. Yeah. But w- one thing that has changed for me in the past month, uh, I had started recently my second session class, realized that... Um, because I haven't gone to school in over 10 years, I do not remember what this class is building off of. So I made the decision after spending eight hours doing a two-hour homework assignment that I needed to hit a reset. So I dropped the class. I'm going to take it in the spring. Uh, and I'm going to spend the next couple of months uh, recapping what I've done 10 years ago. So that has freed up some time for things. All right, so like, you're relearning algebra. Um, ironically, I, I over the summer, I had started doing a, a – I'm using Khan Academy for the math stuff. I, I just started algebra because I'm like, I know I know algebra, but there's probably little concepts that I just don't really remember. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that's kind of been how it's been. Like, I've, I started the course, and I'm just doing the quizzes and the tests, and every once in a while I'll run into something, I'm like, I don't really exactly remember what they're referring to. So then I'll follow the link to, um, to like, the, the like teaching part of it. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. So that's pretty much how it's been so far. But over the next two months, I'm going to work through calculus, from algebra to calculus. Yes, calculus is my favorite. Yeah, it's been a long time. But I, I went through Calc 3 in college. I did calculus my senior year of high school, and then I did Calc 2 and Calc 3 before I ended up changing up my direction and then stopped school together to move to Maine. Um, but I, I think calculus is really cool when you pair it with physics. And you start to see that it's not just this random math you're doing, that it actually explains a lot of physical phenomenon. Like that things like um, work is the integral of power over time. Or, Or that if you have something moving, the derivative of its location is its velocity. And the second derivative of its location is its acceleration. And, exactly. It, you yeah. know, the, you're you're literally saying the stuff that I was doing in the first week of this physics class that I had to postpone. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing like, okay, I gotta, I have to reacquaint myself with uh, <laughs> with derivatives and with um, what was the first thing you said? Uh, integrals. Integrals. Yeah, integrals. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, so it was a lot of this. Like, okay, I need to remember these math concepts that I haven't done in too long. But then, like, it'll literally be, like, teaching you, okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, and you know this. Blah, blah, blah. Move on. And I'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't remember that. Oh. It's been 10 years, <laughs> video <Back up>. professor. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm actually, like, even though I had to give up and drop to, to reset to be able to do this, I'm excited about it. Because this is the stuff that, like, was, you know, engaging to me. Um, and I had I had shifted from doing, you know, math-based learning. Like, uh, I was doing mathematics at one point. I was doing physics at one point. Uh, I'm sorry, not physics, engineering at one point. And what held me up really was actually the chemistry that I didn't like. But I ended up switching to, uh, to getting my associate's degree in literature because I was really enjoying all the classes centered around all that at the time. And I still really enjoy literature and the, the things that I learned with switching in that direction – but I've now that I've had a ten year hiatus in school, and my purpose for going back to school, aside from just like completing something that I always feel like I should have, is to get me the ability to be in a different career field. And I don't want to be a freaking teacher, so uh-huh. <laughs> literature isn't going to cut it. Back to yep. uh, to math based learning, science based learnings, and uh, but yeah, getting back to it, like it's it's exciting to me. So even with having to to you know give up a little bit, I'm more motivated now even than I was before. I just know what I have to, you know, what I have to do to get myself up to speed, basically. Cool. But doing that, I've actually had time to, oh my God, this first week that I was doing the physics, I literally thought I was going to have to stop doing everything but work and schoolwork. Like, uh-huh. I, there was no way I was going to get this done. And I, <laughs> it was such a relief to be like, all right, we got to do something different. But I started playing a, a video game. I started watching a TV show. I hadn't done this stuff in a long time. 
Have you ever heard of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? I think it's a PlayStation only game, though. Yeah, I've heard of it. I know it exists. I've yeah, I've I've seen those words in that order before. Yeah, you know, you should get a good system like PlayStation so you could play it. But um, I should get a system like Xbox so I could play Halo. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. So I I have had this, and it's funny because I've actually sort of purchased this game three times. A while back, I took advantage of some ridiculous GameStop deal where it was like buy five games for five bucks each, and there was this like wide array of games you could choose from. So I got a bunch, and I got Horizon Zero Dawn at that point for like five bucks. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's cool, but like, there's other games I want to play more, and I was stupid to buy a bunch of games when I have other games I want to play. So whatever, like, I ended up trading it in after a bit, but you know, it's like I whatever, I got enough back out of the trade in. Then, a ways down the road, uh, I think it was actually last year around Black Friday, they had a deal at GameStop where I was able to get that game for only five bucks brand new. I was like, you know what? I was in- I had actually talked to somebody about the game that had played it between getting it the first time and trying it and getting rid of it. I was like, you know what? They made me want to play that game. I'm going to get it again. So I bought it for five bucks. All these GameStop deals that you're mentioning, they, they the remind me devil. of uh, one of my favorite onion articles uh-huh. which is that arby's allow now allows customers to pay five dollars and just grab as much roast beef in their two hands as possible <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> arby's ha- has had this deal where if you donate a dollar to something i forget what it is like whatever charity they're supporting if you donate a dollar you get a coupon for a free slider my son likes the sliders. The only reason we go to Arby's is to get my son a slider to eat. He likes Zoro's turkey slider. So we spent a dollar to get a coupon that's good for a dollar eighty nine plus tax item. And every time we go, we use the coupon and they ask if we want to donate a dollar. So like every time we go, it's like we're we're, you know, chaining this deal and saving uh eighty nine cents plus tax on a slider every time. Oh man, that yeah. adds up to <laughs> dozens of dollars over time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's now been a month and we've saved like two fifty. Oh wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I I bought the game again for five dollars. It's like this is awesome. I'm gonna play this, and that it was like right after that that PlayStation was like, hey, there's this pandemic going on. Let's give you a bunch of free games, and that was one of the free games that they gave was uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. So I got it for completely free. Traded in the five dollar copy I bought and. Now it's I it's a, you know the free one was digital so I can't get rid of it so finally one day I was like uh, would, well after I dropped the class because all the only game I would play was Madden because I I would just play it for a few minutes because it was mindless you know mm-hmm. I was like I'm gonna try to play a story based game again I, it's been a while so I started playing that one and at the beginning I was like man this is a little tedious at the beginning you know it's like a lot of games kind of teaching you how to play it setting up the story. But once I got rolling with it, like once I got past like the little intro where you're still a, a a little girl and just barely learning how to do anything, it got a lot more fun. Then you're hunting all these um, like robot animals and stuff, and uh, I got really hooked on it. I, I pounded through a bunch of it pretty quickly once I got rolling. But it, man, it felt good to be into a game like that again. Interesting. I've been really avoiding those types of games as much as possible. So I just signed up for the Xbox Game Pass. Uh-huh. They have like a trial for a dollar for a month or something like that. And it's, I don't know if their PlayStation has something equivalent. It's basically It is like, PlayStation now for the PlayStation, yeah. Okay. It's basically Xbox's Netflix for video games, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to, to put it. And there's a really huge selection. And one thing that's neat is they actually, a lot of games release brand new on xbox's thing their game pass Uh so there there is a really really wide selection but i just don't have time for like a long narrative game like that so i found myself i'm really gravitating towards like these shorter more indie games yeah so i got i had this game 12 minutes which is a game where it's kind of weird it's like a point and click adventure thing and it's all top down so you just you see the room from top down kind of like an old zelda game (laughs) has top down except there's only like three or four rooms in the game 
and you're just a man who comes home from work, your wife is there and she's made you some dessert and blah, blah, blah. And as it plays out, this guy shows up and he says he's the police, but then he handcuffs your wife and then handcuffs you and asks about some old watch that belonged to her dad and says, I know what you did. I know what you did. And then he starts beating you up. And as you get beat up, you like pass out and then you start over again at the beginning of the game. And so then you go and try different dialogue and try different things. And maybe some one time you hide here or there to see what happens if you weren't there. And what happens is that as you progress, you learn things in the future, which change how you would do things previously on the next time loop through because you just keep repeating the same segment of time the same 12 minutes which is why it's called 12 minutes until you come to the eventual conclusion which interesting yeah the the dynamics of the game were way more interesting than the actual story ended up being yeah so that was a, a little disappointing, like the actual what the real story was behind what was going on, because it's basically like you're uncovering all these secrets of the past that lead this guy to show up at your door and beat you up or kill you or whatever ends up happening. And so it that part of it ended up being kind of strange, but the actual just like dynamics of the gameplay were really fun and pretty interesting. Nice. It, you know, it's funny, too, because the last game that you talked about was, uh, was Life similar. is Strange, which has, yeah. Yeah, has a similar dynamic to it. Yeah. I, I played that one a little bit. Um, I didn't get super far before I was still, like, in the midst of school stuff, so I just kind of dropped the ball on everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny, like, you mentioned not getting caught up in, like, long games. I've definitely found that my dynamic with playing games has changed, and... One, I needed to only, like, it can be difficult in ways, but if it's difficult in a way that makes it not fun for me, it just isn't worth it. Even if there's, com- you know, aspects or components of the game that are enticing. Like, one game I've I've continually tried to, it's like, I loved Metal Gear Solid. I loved Metal Gear Solid 2. I've always wanted to get back into the Metal Gear Solid series, but trying to play Metal Gear Solid 5... It's just just trying to figure out how to function in that game is so tedious now because it's so detailed and you got to be so sneaky. But, you know, it's like you have to know how to, like, really have fine control over so many things that I finally, again, a while back, sat down and tried to dig into it and really get going. And I I did it for a while and then I was just like, okay, I got to get from here to there and I'm trying to get through and sneak past the guards. And I was just like, what's fun about this anymore? Like, this isn't fun. And I was playing it on easy, you know, it's not even mm-hmm. like it was like a harder level where it should be hard. Uh, and I was just like, I'm not enjoying this. You know, there's nothing about this that I'm enjoying. I want to because I love the story. What I really want them to do is do a remaster of the the first Metal Gear Solid game again. Like, I just want to play that again. I loved those characters. It was fun. It was, you know, there was a lot of dynamic to how you have to sneak around and do stuff. But it's a lot easier to sneak around when it's like, you know, the basically like top-down style that they had in that game where it wasn't like completely just like 2d but it was pretty much top-down you know mm-hmm. you can see what you were sneaking around you could see like the vision cones of the guards or stuff like that so they've made it too realistic to where it's not fun anymore because you have to pay attention to too many things to be able to do it it's the same reason why like i i can't stand fighting games anymore or a lot of sports games is the realism is too great to where I like I don't want to to like simulate real life, you know. Like I'm playing a game to escape from real life. I don't need to like not know that the guard this guard sees me because like I literally have to see him with my own eyes. In basketball, I don't want to have to control like five different things to shoot a shot, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, Metal Gear Solid, I just pretty much got to give up on. This game, though, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm playing it on, like, there's even actually one mode easier. Like, I did it on easy, but there's, like, a, there's really no challenge mode, like, just the story mode. I didn't go quite that low, because I want a little bit of challenge. Uh, but doing it on the easier mode, it's like, you're able to just kind of plug through quickly. There are side quests, but there's not so many that it takes you drastically far off of the the main path of the game. 
Uh, I did just get to a stage in the game where the world gets more expansive than the part that I had started in. But it's still like the game feels like linear with side quests along the way. But then it also does a good job of guiding you on where to go next for the side quests. And like it makes it pretty clear, which is like that's what I want. Like I like I like the story. I like running around. You know, not only do you get to kill these robot animals that are like kind of the bad thing in the world along with people because people are always bad. Um, but you also can, can hunt real animals and you get resources from them to help upgrade your, um, you know, your equipment and stuff like that as you go. So like it combines a lot of the components that I like with an interesting story. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like playing it on easy. I love playing games on easy because I just want to be able to enjoy it and dig in this one. Yeah. It's interesting how my gameplay is changing and what I look for in a game is changing as I get older and have different amounts of time and stuff available that I'm really just looking for stuff that is quicker and easier. Like right now, I think my ideal game is something that would take me three sessions of playing for an hour or two to finish. Mm -hmm. That's like probably about the sweet spot for me right now. Yeah. It's kind of nice to stick that way. It's also why, like, I have had trouble following monthly comics. It's like I got to sit down and read the whole story in a few sessions or not, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, another game I just downloaded is Myst. Have you ever uh, played Myst or Riven? I have not played Myst, but I know what it is because when I was uh, in high school and had a PlayStation... I rented Riven because back then it's like you didn't, you didn't know what the hell anything was. You just had to take a shot on it, basically. I rented it and went home and played it on my PlayStation. I was like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> uh-huh. It was like because I mean it's it's you know meant to be a PC game. It was ported, but like point and click games, I've never uh, I've never loved them being ported to uh, to console systems. I think they've probably gotten better than they used to be, but like back then it was just like straight up ported and didn't exactly make sense and they didn't do a good job of like guiding you on what to do. Yeah. But I just remember cause it was Riven, the sequel to mist. Yeah. I always really liked Riven. I got that when I was probably in college or something and, and played through it. Though I don't think I ever completely played through mist though. I don't know. Maybe I did cause it was all kind of familiar and kind of not familiar. So I either played it and forgot most of it or didn't play it. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But they updated it so it's a 3D game. So it's no longer like the point and click where the original game was just static images and you like click here on the screen to move forward, click here on the screen to turn left or click here to yeah. turn right. Now it's just a full 3D environment that you can walk around just like any typical game that we'd be used to now. That's cool. Yeah, it took me like three sessions of playing for an hour or two to get through it. It was ended up not really being that long of a game because it's just kind of like there's one main puzzle to start the game and like the main game area. And then that opens up. You have to solve a little puzzle to then open up each of the little sub areas and each sub area is like a big giant puzzle that you have to solve to collect a certain thing and then get back to the main area. And so it's, it's really, it's just like a puzzle solving game and there's all sorts of different puzzle solving. And what's neat about it is it it uses like sound and patterns and stuff like that in really interesting, unique ways as part of the puzzles. Like there's some puzzles that are audio based. So if you're not listening, you would never even like, if you're playing without sound, you wouldn't even know that there's a puzzle there (laughs) probably to uh, figure out. So you have to have the sound on to get some of these, uh, get that like what the puzzle is even about. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was another just really nice fun game. And the last game I've tried out recently is Flight Simulator. Have you heard of this game? I think it's a Microsoft only game. I you know it sounds familiar. It sounds like something I, I've at least like come across. One thing I think is funny is how many simulator games are like. I was looking through the PlayStation Store the other day, and there's mm-hmm. a bus simulator game. Oh jeez, <laughs> I'm like man, there. Fun. Yeah, there's a goat simulator. There's a farming simulator. There's a lot of simulators. <laughs> What's cool about this one is that 
I think that there is a lot of depth to it. Like you could really simulate flying and really detail with this game. But I just did like the the quick game where basically you just take off from an airport by holding down a certain button and pulling back to take off. And then you just get to fly around. And they have ported the entire world into this game. Like I was able to go fly over my house and see my house like and very distinctly. Oh, that one right there is my house. And so that's pretty cool. Just how detailed it is. Hmm. I was able to like fly around the pyramids of Egypt and the Sphinx and stuff like that. So a lot of it is just the fun of just flying a plane around and looking at all these cool places in the world on your computer safely from home <laughs> so that's yeah that's pretty interesting like that's yeah. that's cool to, it's just like you know when uh google maps like started really up in the technology and like you could like get an actual street view of stuff so of course what you do you went and, like looked at your house and the house where you grew up and your relative's house or you know like, yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah and it's what's neat is i was able to do it by taking off at lax and then flying over la and following the landmarks to get to my house. Like I was able to find, Oh, here's like the, the 10 freeway. And if I follow that to downtown, I can take the five up over to the one thirty four to the two ten to get to where I live. That's awesome. I could do that. And then remember why I don't want to live in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, the really funny thing though, is they do have cars driving around on the streets there is like no traffic on the freeways. It's kind of comical <laughs> how few cars, like I have never seen the freeways with as few cars as they show in this video game. It, if I were to wake up at three thirty AM and drive around, there would be more cars on the freeway than there are in this game. That's hilarious. So that's one thing that <laughs> was, kind of, it's like, that's the thing that broke the realism for me. <laughs> it's like, there's no way there's, there's those few cars on the two ten. It's impossible. That's hilarious. Hey, yeah. Something you said made me think about. So you, you mentioned with uh, with Mist how there are puzzles that, like, if you didn't have the sound on, you wouldn't even know there was a puzzle. Uh-huh. When I was a kid, I would rent uh, The Simpsons, Bart versus the Space Mutants. And the first level of the game is a color-based puzzle. You have to, well, it's not really a puzzle, I guess, unless you don't have color like I didn't. I played it on a black and white TV, and what it was is you had to spray paint everything that was purple, red. So you had to find the purple things and spray paint them to get through that level. I, I did this on a black and white TV. It took me forever because I had to guess. Just keep uh, guessing. You know? But yeah. I eventually did beat the level just trying to guess what might be purple. <laughs> wow. Um, that's that's definitely a fond. It's funny how like you, you tie these memories to things. And you have such fond memories of such just like odd little things like that. Like that will always be a fond video game memory to me. It's like one of those things that just adds flavor to... Um, they, you know, my history playing video games. Um, well, it also I, just points out how much more patience you had when yeah. you were younger. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it really is funny how stuff changed has changed, and like you know, back then you had to be more patient with games, and games were a lot more about mastering the skill to complete the like you know, like you played Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, it wasn't about progressing through a story or anything like you had to continually get better to get through the game because you would continually get as far as you couldn't die get as far as you couldn't die and have to start mm-hmm. over so it was about getting good enough to get through the game and it was uh it was like learning the levels so a game that you recommended to me that that kind of has a similar very very different feel to it but a similar sense to it was uh, super meat boy yeah, mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to get through the levels while failing along the way. The difference is with Super Meat Boy, you don't get to level like seven and die and like, God damn it, I just spent you know two or three hours doing this. Yeah, you just uh-huh. continually die on the same level. You don't even have to care that much. It's just fun. My son loves watching me play that game. Yeah, it's 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 really funny how it's changed. One thing I've definitely realized is I have to recognize that my reminiscence of what I liked with games isn't something I should chase because a lot of times now when games become available that I liked when I was younger, they, I I don't have the same interest in playing them. Um, last Christmas I got, uh, the Mario 3d all-stars because my son wanted it. So I got it for, for Christmas and it has Mario 64, Mario sunshine and Mario galaxy and playing Mario 64 again. It's like, I, I reminisce of really liking that game. I even played it a second time, 
when they released a version of it on the the DS and still really enjoyed playing it. But now it's kind of tedious to me. And uh, we got one of the newer Mario ones. Um, Mario Odyssey is the the newest one for the the Switch. Okay. Um, that's like that style of gameplay. And kind of same thing, like it's okay, but it's it's not enthralling to me like it used to be. Like getting good at the controls to where, you know, you're able to have fun jumping and flipping around, stuff like that. If I'm going to do that, I'd rather play like Spider-Man or, you know, we're talking about the Batman games, the, the Arkham games. Um, like those games, it's fun to move around the world, but the world is more compelling to me than Mario. This, this sounds like a, you know you're old when <laughs> when Mario is no longer fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... And it's not that it's not fun. It's a, it's it's fun in a different way. Like, I would actually rather play Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World than play, like, the one, once they start delving into the 3D stuff. Um, and part of it, too, like, playing Mario 64, it's clunkier compared to a lot of stuff because they've come a long way since then still, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also, like, you, you know, you hit it with uh, being a time factor. I only have so much time. Like, do I want to spend you know, 10, 20, whatever hours playing a Mario game, or do I want to put that into something else? And it's, there just isn't that much time. So you have to kind of make those choices. And that definitely makes you value your experience with stuff. Like when I was younger, I could play those games because I could play them all day long for a while and then switch on to something else. Or I could play them and play something else because all I had was time. Yeah, and, I also had the patience to spend all day trying to beat one particular level. Yeah, exactly. And like learning... <laughs> When to run, when to jump, when to do everything that as needed to get through this particular level of Mega Man or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, some of those games are so stiff. <laughs> and and now I just don't have that patience. If it takes me like two tries, I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm definitely learning that I like the remasters or sorry, not the remasters, the remakes of some of the games. Even some games like I never played, like Resident Evil 2, I got the remake, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I never played Resident Evil before that. And so now I, I kind of find myself looking, like hoping that they'll remake some games that I loved so I can experience them again, like uh, Silent Hill or Parasite Eve or Metal Gear Solid. You know, I mentioned the, uh, that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it if they did a remake of those games where it's not just uh, we made the graphics look a little more you know, up to date, but it's going to feel clunky as hell playing it. Cause we didn't redesign it, but redesign it, but still keep it the same type of gameplay. And then I've really enjoyed like uh, the tomb Raider series. I played the three newer tomb Raider games. I have zero desire to go back and play the original tomb Raider games other than it would be kind of fun to like, you know, have the nostalgia, but that would only last so long because like, I know how clunky those games play. Like they felt kind of clunky when they were brand new because it was, uh, yeah, they were exploring something new, but it was definitely pretty, you know, it was like playing Street Fighter and uh, Street Fighter 2 and then playing Street Fighter 2 Turbo and then going back to playing Street Fighter 2. You felt how slow it felt, you know? Okay. <laughs> kind of, mm-hmm. uh, the first Tomb Raider games are kind of like that. Like once you move on to something that's uh, been built a little bit better, like it quickly, they quickly picked up on what they were doing. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, a lot of rambling there, but long story yeah. short, I really like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I guess that is where we started with this. Yeah, <laughs> we, yep. as we know, it's a good conversation as we, we go places that, uh, you know, just from a starting point. Yeah. So I to totally change topics and segue in a clunky way, one thing I've been noticing a lot and thinking about a lot is that, well, before right, I, I get into this, I want to back up and talk about like comics in the good old days <laughs> and it seemed like in in the good old days of comics there was this idea of you want the characters to never change right like spider-man always needs to be peter parker batman always needs to be bruce wayne superman is always clark kent etc etc et and they told stories where there was like some semblance of change. You know, Peter Parker got a new job, grew up a little bit, maybe got married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the core, like who the character is, always kind of stayed the same. And I think I even uh, remember 
hearing, I, I don't remember if it, who it was an interview with, but essentially like the goal for their comics was to give the illusion of change without there actually being any real fundamental change in the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see this in everything like Spider-Man comics between 1960 and 2000 or so, or 2010 or so, you know, it's, it's very much kind of the, the same, right? It's always about keeping the same characters essentially the same and, and not letting them move on or grow or change much. Interestingly, like I think X-Men was a little different than this and Chris Claremont actually one of his goals was to have the X-Men being a rotating roster where people would come become X-Men. They would be X-Men for a while, then they would grow out of it and move on and do other stuff and new people would show up and become X-Men and it would be kind of a way to actually tell more meaningful stories. Yeah. Um, But lately, I think that that is changing because I noticed now that apparently there's there's a new Superman like Superman is now Superman's son and I think that there's a new Batman and they it seems like a lot of these these companies are embracing this idea of rotating through and letting new people like take on the mantle like Superman isn't Clark Kent anymore and Batman not being Bruce Wayne anymore. And I know like Miles Morales is around so that even Peter Parker isn't always the only Spider-Man anymore. I think a lot of it, because I always, I always wanted that to be the case in comics. And that's one of the things that always drew me to Valiant Comics in the first place. Like, even back in the 90s with the original Valiant, looking at a character like Rye, throughout the 30-some issues of that series, there were actually three different people that were the main character called Rye. Uh, and it as the series progressed, those characters would have their story and they would meet their eventual fate, and then somebody else would take over as Rye. And they kind of built in this idea that... You know, we're not always going to have the same character, like the same person be that character. Like it's going to grow and change over time. And even like Shadow Man, they had like the original Shadow Man from the Victorian era and stuff. And they established that there had been Shadow Man before. There will be Shadow Man after. And Jack Boniface is just like the current Shadow Man. So like I always kind of liked that idea that of legacy and i always wanted like it to be the case that bruce wayne should have stopped being batman after nightfall after he had his back broken like that would have been the perfect time in the 90s to have bruce wayne retire from being batman which he did for a short time but then he eventually came back and it was all kind of just the same again uh but what i'm noticing is that it seems like they're embracing this idea more and i think that a lot of the reason has to do with movies because now they're finding the real way to profit off this stuff is to make movies of these characters and the big problem with movies is if you have like peter parker always a spider-man the actor that plays Peter Parker is going to continually get older and they're going to not want to make Spider-Man movies after a while. And the only way to really accomplish that in movies and have it be cohesive and like one long continual continuity is to allow other people to become those characters. And so, like, I'm noticing that it's, it seems like comics are kind of changing to match the realities of movie making. And I, I just, it's something that I've been really aware of recently. And I, I think it's kind of interesting seeing that. It's like, finally, movies are forcing comics to take a little more realistic approach to the, their, these characters and the, that legacy of the characters. 
Yeah, I and I think that there's um there's quite a few different things to look at here too. Uh, like one is you know we keep saying comics in in a, a sense, but like we're talking about kind of a specific niche of comics. There's a lot of comics that are like completely, and that's you know like I, I've always said I have trouble sticking with the superhero comics. Like I get tired of them. Uh, I need to move on to different stuff. So where people, you know, you, you have with superhero comics, you tend to have two groups, the people who, you know, my comics should never change. And people who, you know, want there to be change and want things to be different. And I can understand both sides. Like really the problem there comes when people only want to see their side and say that they're right and other people are wrong. And then there's no, there's no trying to understand or there's no debate. It's just everybody being an asshole. But mm-hmm. like, they, so, you know, there's like kind of like those two ways that people tend to be pulled in superhero comics. Um, and then there's all the other comics, you know, the, like, I, I strongly feel with most stories that if they go too long, they kind of ruin themselves. And a lot of series like need to be limited series. You need to tell a story and some, you know, sometimes with the nature of comics, they don't get enough time to, sometimes they are successful. So they, they spread out too much and you end up with a lot of just issue burning basically because they already had a story in mind and you're trying to make more money off of it now. Um, not that I've read a lot of it, but I feel like the walking dead might be a big example of a, mm. a comic that was super successful and just started eating its own tail. And that's just from what other people have told me. Once again, like I only read some of the beginning of the series, but that's a lot of what I heard about that. So like, if we're just focusing in on, on superhero comics, it's funny because I felt both ways. Um, like I feel like there is there is a part of us that wants Batman to always be Bruce Wayne, but in the on like in the ongoing con- continuity, it makes more sense for there to be change. But then that doesn't mean that you can't also have comic series that are telling Bruce Wayne stories if you want to you know stick with Bruce Wayne, you know, and eventually like if if um, you know Damien becomes Batman or you know, one of the other Robins become Batman or, you know, some other bastard child of his becomes Batman, whatever, you know? Yeah, sure. Somebody else becomes Batman. Okay. Well, you can still like tell these like old Bruce Wayne Batman stories, but then grow it into something else. I've caught wind a little bit of the Superman thing that you're talking about. Like I don't keep up with superhero comics at all right now. Like I've completely, they've all dropped off my radar. I haven't been keeping up with watching shows. I haven't been keeping up with movies or anything. So like I pretty much like catch the wind a little bit on Twitter of what's going on. And I don't get a lot of that because every time somebody just is complaining about something on Twitter, I block them. Like I I don't want to hear people's complaints because those are also, I've said this before, those are the same people that also post spoilers, by the way. But so I've blocked the people who make every change predominantly known because those are just the people who want to complain about the change. The people who enjoy it or just are riding the tide, like actually tend to talk a little bit less about it. Uh, People just like to make noise and get attention. But yeah, like I think a good example right now that we're seeing that stems from the comics actually, but we're seeing it start to appear in the like TV slash movie universes is Hawkeye. Uh, so the first Hawkeye that I ever really read was Matt Fraction, David Aha's Hawkeye. And that Hawkeye was about two Hawkeyes. It wasn't about Matt Barton only. It was about Matt Barton and Kate Bishop, right? And I love that Hawkeye. That's one of the comics that got, that loosened me up on reading superhero comics some. Because at that time, I, was, I had read Batman. I had read some X-Men. And I was starting to kind of be like, I don't know, maybe I should just back out of superhero comics. And then I tried this different thing that I kept on hearing about. I was like, oh, there could be really good stuff in superhero comics. And now we're seeing where the, the you know, Matt Barton Hawkeye has been in the Avengers movies and all that stuff. Um, but now the show is centered around Kate Bishop and it's centered around that design, right? Yeah, um, I think so. I haven't really been following it much, so I don't know. it. I just... Based on what very little I've seen yeah. from the show, it looks like that that's the plan is to. I don't, is Kate Bishop his daughter? I, I don't even. She was a, uh, and this is uh, my memory is probably a little rough because it's been a while since I've read it, and I only know all of this from reading that run of Hawkeye and some of the peripheral material that they tied in in like collected editions. I have a, a hardcover omnibus of it, um, which I don't own very many. Um, collections of marvel or dc work so that you know shows you how how much i like that she was a young avenger at some point hawkeye 
Matt Barton Hawkeye uh, either passed the mantle onto her and then like disappeared and became Ronin, or disappeared and became Ronin and she took the mantle. I, it was one way or the other. So, but so she was the active Hawkeye at a point when he was like either somewhere unknown or was being Ronin. So they, I mean, that's kind of how that goes. And he kind of came back on the scene. And like, if you read those comics, like, uh, I, I, I can't remember if he like didn't want to take the ma- the mantle away from her or he wanted to share it with her or whatever. But like that series was really good where it's like, they were both Hawkeye. They overlapped at times. They split separate ways and had separate stories at times, but I really liked it. And it made me like, like, uh, Kate Bishop as well. It wasn't going into like, oh, well, Matt Barton is Hawkeye and, you know, oh, well, look at this diversity they bring in here or something like that. Like, I really enjoyed it. It made me like Kate Bishop as a character. And I'm much more interested in the TV show because it's about her and not about him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just goes like right with what you're saying, where, you know, for characters to develop and for stuff to not just be, you know, sitting stale and going in the same circles, you need to be able to have that change and those character changes. I'm a little more torn with stuff like Batman or um, like Batman's a good example to me. Like I'm a little more torn just flippantly being like, well, Batman should just change to somebody else. I feel like Batman to me, like I've read a ton of Batman and I'm kind of done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good not reading Batman anymore. Cause I read a bunch mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of Batman because I've read enough and I'm not a big rereader, you know that. So I'm not going to revisit a lot of the stuff that I read. But still, like when people talk about, well, you know, so and so should just become Batman. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think there are some characters that, like, they're like the stake that's planted in the ground that keeps everything else in place around them. And unfortunately, it means that those characters can they'll get boring because you can't do anything else with them. So it's like, how do you go about doing that in a way that kind of honors the legacy while still growing on to, you know, to while still having growth? And I think there's a way to do that. And I think we're starting, just like you said, we're starting to see that more in comics where they're they're realizing that the the noisy people that don't want anything to change, guess what? They're all getting old. <laughs> you know, they're they're either going to grow out of comics at some point in their life, or they're going to die at some point in their life. You know, and then you can't cater to people that are getting into their fifties and sixties and stuff like that and not change when you have many many more people coming up behind them, and they're the future of the industry, whether it be comics or movies so yeah i like i'm right on with you with your way of thinking that like you have like stuff has to change and like you are seeing that embrace i think like into the spider verse was a great example of a really really well done thing that showed how many different things spider-man can be and that all those things can be good and none of those things are wrong and they can even coexist like you don't have to have only one spider-man story it's interesting though that you you draw the line at batman because that that to me is like example number one where I, I I think it is too. I think that's the best example. That's where my but this is the Batman I remember. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I have that's a character that has that like ingrained in me from and not even from the comics, but just from like going back to when I was a kid. Like I have this thing in my head of this is Batman. So that's for me the one, and I'm sure it is for a lot of people. That's harder to see the change in. But then I also don't live in that I want to read Batman all the time world to where I'm probably like, please give me something different. Like a lot of people are some of the biggest Batman fans I know are the ones that'd be like, we need somebody else in here, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because for me, that's like the perfect example because I think Batman has been the character that more than any has been in this situation where it always ends up being Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Just, it's always Bruce Wayne. Even when they, do other things like after nightfall when batman broke his back other people became batman and there was a whole like i think asriel became batman and then he kind of flipped out and was yeah. psychotic or something so that they was had all to part go. of the nightfall story that that got re- resolved by the end of nightfall yeah exactly yeah. but by the end of it bruce wayne was back to being batman yeah and then there was i think at the end of final crisis batman quote unquote died but was actually just like thrown through time or something and uh dick grayson had to become batman for a while and damien was the robin and so for a while there was this whole series about okay well now uh dick grayson is batman and but by the end of it 
Bruce Wayne shows back up and becomes Batman again. Yeah, it's like the the Simpsons effect or like you know the sitcom effect. Like you have to reset everything by the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. So like they've done these things where it's like, oh, they'll pretend, oh, oh, look, there's a new Batman. It's not Bruce Wayne anymore. But then, uh, psych, <laughs> it is. And so I, I I just think if if they, I think that it's possible that we could see the movie making aspect of it start to influence the comics where if DC actually makes more than a couple Batman movies within the same continuity ever, or with the same Batman ever that they could do a thing where it's like Batman goes through the sequence of, okay, I've been Batman for a while. Now I'm, I'm done with being Batman and I'm going to pass on the legacy and retire from being Batman and maybe kind of like, coach the new batman or something like that and you know do something like that and i i think that the realities of movie making where who's ever playing batman isn't going to want to play batman forever and they're going to start to get old so that they they can't play batman forever that reality that you, you just the reality of movie making with actor with people as actors could start to influence that the how the comics are approached and i i think that that's kind of a cool idea it's it's almost like the success of the movies is making comics reevaluate the thing that made the comics successful which was this whole peter parker is always peter parker bruce wayne is always bruce wayne and is always batman effect so that you can get these people collecting the same character for decades you know it's it's kind of this this weird thing where it's it's pulling it in a, a direction away from its roots because of its success in another medium yeah I, you know it's funny too because like i this thought keeps on sitting in the back of my head that part of this is just the fault of people who demand continuity demand canon if you look at the ninja turtles like the ninja turtles they're they're always the ninja turtles like they're the leonardo's leonardo he's never been a different leonardo they've existed for over 30 years and continuity doesn't really matter like you can do ninja turtle stories out of continuity they've rebooted continuity nobody gives a shit you know it's like they're there to be enjoyed and that's it and it doesn't work for everything obviously but I think, you know, exactly what you said, where, like, now Marvel and DC, the companies that make the real decisions are Warner Brothers and Disney. So they're they're not people that the comics matter most. They're big companies that are all about making money. It's not that they weren't before, but, you know, before they were tied in with these bigger media empires, it was... They were comic companies, you know, to some extent that were trying to, you know, figure out how to make the most money. So with Marvel, I mean, so with a uh, um, Warner and uh, and and Disney, like they know where the money lies. Everything else is kind of peripheral. So like the money drives the change, and I think just right to what you're saying, where's the money coming from? It's not like a smaller percentage is coming from those very noisy people who say that everything needs to be exactly the way that it's always been because that's what they want. You know, the money comes from people going to see these movies that don't give a damn about the comics that maybe they end up getting the comics too. Like that's where the, the comic money is going to come from more so than just the people who have always been there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the like Marvel right now, we're at a, a, a point where, and we have some new movies coming out, but it's kind of tailed off of what happened in Avengers Endgame, where Iron Man died. Tony Stark died and uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers decided to grow old, you know, so the movies, as they progress from that point, which at some point they will get back onto that, I'm sure. Uh, and I guess they have maybe some in the TV shows a little bit that I haven't kept up with watching. So you're going to have a different Iron Man. You're going to have a different Captain America because those those characters are still money. But they've made a move with the people that were the people behind the suits. And as soon as somebody else is Iron Man, that's going to be in the comics. And it's not going to go away. It's not going to be a, you know, a little story that yeah exactly it's and it's not going to be something that you know all the people that are you know crying about you know diversity plays and stuff like that 
one, they've always been wrong. And two, it doesn't matter if they think that. It's not going to go away. If it's in the movies, it's going to happen in the comics, and it's going to stay there. And the comics yeah. not selling is not going to change that. The movies selling or not is what will change that, you know? Yeah. It, part of what made me think about this also is so last night I watched Black Widow finally. I want to watch now, it. I, I'm so excited because it's available on Disney Plus now without exactly. like paying the premium. I, I want to watch it too. Yeah. And in in a lot of ways, it seems like it's one big movie just to introduce a new character who can now be the new Black Widow. Cool. <laughs> I'm down with it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it, it's a fun movie. Like it's it's definitely it's not like the most groundbreaking Marvel movie I've ever seen, but I wasn't disappointed. It was just yeah. My I think both me and my wife were like, yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of what it is. And it's it's like it's cool, fun characters doing cool, fun stuff. Yeah, and you know, I like I found myself over the. I don't know, over the years that I've really gotten into comics and, you know, watch comic movies and stuff like that. It's like over the next, the last decade, I found myself getting more drawn to female characters. And I think part of the reason why is there's a ton of female characters that weren't really well explored before, at least not that I read, you know, so reading them, they're not the ones that always get put out there for you. You know, it's like by the time I started reading comics, I knew plenty about the X-Men and plenty about Spider-Man and stuff like that. But I didn't know plenty about... Um, you know, like really getting to know like Storm specifically or, you know, more of the history of uh, Jean Grey or stuff like that. But then um, like Captain Marvel is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, and that makes me want to know more about the character. I, and then part of it is is that like they're characters that could be explored better or that is just it's kind of like me getting into manga a lot a year ago. And now it's like it's flourished into something. It was like this huge untapped storytelling that I didn't know about. On top of that, like, one thing that I definitely recognize, like, the, the 90s are a good example where a lot of comics were sold with sex. You know, big boobs, skin-type costumes. Like, that never appealed to me. Because, like, I would be embarrassed to own a lot of the comics that were put out. Because, like, the, the the covers were, like, way over-sexualized, right? And, I, that, like, that never appealed to me. But that doesn't mean that, like, I don't like reading about, you know, interesting and attractive female characters. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're really into something and you meet a girl who's into that, like, that girl's more attractive just because she's into something that resonates with you, right? Like, whatever that <laughs> thing may be. Um, like, my wife doesn't give two shits about sports, but, like, a girl that's into sports, like, there's that little extra, like, element to their character that is interesting to you, you know? Your wife doesn't care about Star Wars, but there was something in her character, you know, that resonated with you that way. Like, there always is. So I think, like, for me, the the female characters that are good characters, that are strong characters, like, those are the things that that I like to see in a in a person. And those are the things that made me attracted to my wife. Not comics, not sports or whatever. Um, I didn't care about comics, actually, when I met my wife. But, um, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't those things. It was the character. And I seeing those characteristics represented with female characters. It's like, okay, that's where that, like, um, you know, the opposite sex attraction comes in for me is somebody that I can actually feel attracted to, not, you know, vapid characters that have giant boobs and, you know, look ridiculous. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause one thing that I, I did really like about the black widow movie is that it's has a lot of really good characters and Mm -hmm. it's largely a female cast. And so it's just goes to show that it doesn't really matter (laughs) you know gender doesn't matter it just matters are they good fun characters to watch on screen yeah that's what makes stories good or bad and um because it seems like there's this reluctance to have a lot of female driven superhero movies like we're, we're getting them more and more which i think is is cool and it's it's you know, ideally we're, we'll get to the point where it just, that becomes an irrelevant factor and it's just a, is the movie good or not? Or are the characters cool or not? And I, I hope that we're getting closer to that point where the, the story isn't that it's a new movie about female superheroes. It's just that, well, yeah, here's another superhero movie. This one happens at females and it's either good or not. Yeah. And in any, type of entertainment that is you know stereotypically like focused on one sex um like the other sex is a huge untapped potential right so like 
comics is an example where the female audience like has never been tapped in like they should have been. And that's a huge area for profits. Now that you get these companies that are smarter about doing that, that are it's because they are making movies. So they know how much money they can make that are tapping into that. We're seeing a lot more stuff. Um, wrestling is another example where it's like, you know, the, the female audience has always poorly been tapped into. And now we're getting to a time where they're getting tapped into a lot better. And, you know, the, the female wrestlers are um, treated as equals to male wrestlers. They're not there just to be pretty. Like, they're there to be their best. And, um, hmm. like, you see it tapped into a lot differently. Um, That's cool. So, like, the, you know, the more we get that everywhere, like, one, it's it's a segment that is it's money-making. Like, ultimately, that's all the companies making the stuff care about. Like, they don't care about making, you know, good stories centered around female characters being role models for little girls as being something that matters, as representation mattering. They care about making money. The other stuff is, you know, if they can make money and do that stuff, good. But you know it still comes down to making money. And if they make, you know, um, like Miles Morales, for example... If he didn't make any money, like he wouldn't have become as big as he is. But he makes money because he's a good character, and by connecting with the people that that character like relates, you know that 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 resonates with, and make a good character that people that like he doesn't have to represent me for me to want to read him or me to want to see a movie that he's in or me to want to buy the Spider-Man video game that is centered around him, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But you get like those two things put together, and it just makes something even better. And yeah, it's just, it's all good stuff. So yeah, like I'm, I'm excited with seeing a lot of the stuff and the more I mute idiots on Twitter, the better, uh, because you don't hear the few people that are making a lot of noise about how everything needs to be exactly the same and everything just needs to be centered around what a, you know, 40 to 50 year old white man wants right now. Um, man, there's a lot more interesting stuff when you don't do that, you know? But I am a 40 to 50-year-old white man, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but you're one that's not an idiot, so you're able to enjoy stuff that isn't meant to only to appeal to, like, your basest desires yeah, and needs, true. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good stuff seeing all that. You know, I'm As much as I am not enthralled in superhero stuff, like, I love to see the direction stuff is going. Yeah, and I, I think overall, I think that this is a good thing. Yeah. I think if, if, if I wasn't clear... I'm thrilled to see somebody else other than Clark Kent be Superman. And I'm really happy to see somebody else other than Bruce Wayne be Batman. I think that that is great because it allows for more storytelling, more interesting storytelling. And yeah, I think it's just very good. Yeah. And I I do think you got that point across just FYI. Like, I don't, you know, I, I think that came across pretty clearly. Um, yeah, and I love it. I like. I've always strongly believed that reading is very important to growing as a person uh, because to learn how to to practice empathy, you have to put yourself in other people's shoes and feel uncomfortable with that and try to understand. And you know, that's the more diversity there is, the more people get the chance to experience that. And the people that fight against, you know, diversity in in comics or movies or anything, they're people that are balking against empathy, and they're people that it might, you know, it takes it takes being uncomfortable to grow. So that's part of it is they're feeling uncomfortable, they're feeling challenged, and maybe they don't want to be. And you know, it's like we also don't have to be challenged in every facet of our life. So if you just don't like it, oh, that's okay. You know, there's other places in our lives that we're getting challenged, but. You know, people who make it a big fight and make it about them. Like, if you're fighting that hard against basically practicing empathy, like in my book, you're just choosing to be a bad person and fighting vehemently to keep that way. And that's why I got no patience for for those people. They just deserve to be blocked and moved on from. And their voice, if your voice is just to quiet other voices, your voice doesn't matter. All right. Boom. Oh, I think that's that boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> All right. I think that's the place to wrap up this episode. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, next time, I'm going to talk about Westworld, by the way. I started watching that, but we, don't, we ran out of time. Oh, really? Cool. Uh, first season? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the first season right now. I'm really enjoying it. So I'll, I'll definitely have watched a bunch more by the next time we talk, so I'll have more to talk about. But uh, yeah, trying to make use of some of that HBO Max that I'm getting for half price right now, baby. I love the first season of Westworld. I thought it was 
really, really great. Yeah, I forgot that it was the show that Ed Brubaker uh, was involved in, too. So I, I finally, like, after watching a couple episodes, I caught that in the credits. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. All right. Well, so let's, yeah, let's talk about Westworld next. All right. So let's wrap it up. So I am at Who's Paul. You are I'm at, at Bad Deacon. Bad Deacon. Happy Halloween. Probably, I don't know, a few weeks ago by the time you hear this. but Yeah, and happy uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and uh, you know, Merry Merry Christmas two weeks ago, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, good talking to you again after a long hiatus. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed this. You know where to find more of our episodes. Tweet us on Twitter. Let us know what you think about things. Give us a talk about. And uh, watch Westworld or something. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone.